Good morning, everybody. It's good to be here uh, in the Zoom room with you. Maybe if the chat is available, uh, you can uh, take a moment and place in the chat where city and state or city and country that you're zooming in from. It'd be lovely to see the uh, truth of the borderlessness of recovery, recovery without borders. And if you have access to your chat, you can just uh, scroll and take a look. Those of you who may not have access, a lot of California, a lot of Iowa, Oregon, Illinois, Texas, Mexico. New Hampshire, Ohio, Arizona. Connecticut, Virginia. Washington State, my favorite sister from Springfield, Missouri, Mexico again, yeah, <clears throat> ah, the transplanted San Diegan in Tampa, all right, I'm grateful for virtual meetings. Utah. So it's pretty remarkable that uh, we can have this uh, experience of recovery without borders. To know that each of us in this room play a part in not only our own recovery, but someone else's. And all we did was enter this room. It took some effort, but it wasn't necessarily Herculean either. So just a little effort and uh, so much good. So if you're new today and weren't here yesterday, uh, we'll practice mindfulness meditation defined as paying attention on purpose to our present moment experience with curiosity and interest and 
or the willingness to be with what is, which is another way of saying it in a non-judgmental way. So that's what we'll do today with a twist. I'll add uh, a third pillar of mindfulness, which is kind intentions or loving kindness. And uh, kind intentions or what we call heart-based practices include things like kindness and loving kindness and compassion, appreciative joy, appreciative joy, which is the joy we experience because of someone else's success and also equanimity, which is similar to serenity. The 12-step programs talk about finding our way in the middle path. And in the calm waters of the turbulence of our own lives, <clears throat> So if we think about the big book, its ontology is love. The purpose of the big book is to teach us that Love is a practice that we are already love. And so through certain principles, we can manifest that love more often in more instances and with less desire to cling and to force. It's more of a, what we call the unconditional love. Now the big book doesn't necessarily use the phrase love, but it's inherent in it first because God's ontology is love. Merciful, abundant, unconditional. So it begins, and we hear often, if your God is not love, fire your God and hire a new one. So the premise of the big book is that we incline ourselves towards God's ontology. We'll never get there, but that's the direction that we head. It doesn't use the word or phrase love. I'm not sure I've seen the word love in the big book. But what it does very clearly is point to the behaviors that lead to that truth. 
for example, and the doctor's opinion that says that we, this is an altruistic movement. And altruistic movement includes the desire to be of service, to do good, to be compassionate, to care, to support, to do what we're doing in this room, to support goodness. There's no one here whose intention was to come into the room so that we could do harm. Indeed, it's quite the opposite. We want to do heal ourselves and others and the world about us. Altruism includes compassion, the desire to relieve other people's suffering. The big book doesn't use the phrase compassion, but it clearly points us to a foundation of our recovery, which is sponsorship, service. So when we sponsor, we're in an act of compassion. We don't think about it that way necessarily, but we're doing an enormous act of love to give wisdom and guidance and suggestions and experience strength and hope. And uh, the big book doesn't use the phrase love, but in the chapter on the family, it uses three important words that in all circumstances, we need to practice patience, tolerance, and kindliness. So what we do then is to break down what does love mean? What is love? What are the aspects of love? So patience, kindness, tolerance, humility, sincerity, which is the same as honesty, courtesy, gratitude, generosity. So the practice of mindful meditation, of loving kindness or kind intentions allows us to cultivate that which is already in us and that which is embedded in the journey of the big book of recovery, which includes increasing doses of self-centeredness. So it's not a self-help program, it's a self-forgetting program. My own assumption of the big book is that the last word of the second step which is sanity, includes things like peace of mind, peace in heart, peace in relationships, friends, families, colleagues, the world, peace with life, which is 
which translates into being sane, sanity, but it uses the word restore, and restore suggests and implies that there was an original, that there was an original. And so what is that original? You were born into love, loving kindness. What gets in the way is not love, but our wounds. In the big book, the purpose of the fourth step is referred to as character defects. And that certainly is a great word. That's how I use it. But some folks may not connect easily with character defects. So it's our wounds. It's, it's the wounds that we carry that animate the ego, the sense of self-protection that gets in the way of our ability to do what we are, which is love. And love is not an abstract thing. Uh, we've all experienced it. Uh, loving kindness practices of meditation isn't something esoteric for someone else. Uh, we can cultivate it. We can practice it. We can go to the gym of love and lift the weights. Uh, we don't have to begin with a hundred pound weight. We can begin with a one pound five ounce weight. So we practice loving kindness so that we can access the part of us that is already there. It's not something we go and buy. It's already here. So that will be the morning practice is how to cultivate practices to cultivate loving kindness. And we can practice loving kindness in multiple directions. And today I'll, I'll teach uh, four directions. Uh, certainly we can increase that to more than four. Uh, but the first direction is towards people we already love. The second direction is to direct it towards people who are neutral, people we don't know very well. And I'll speak more to that later. And the third is towards difficult people, people who challenge us. And finally, towards ourselves the hardest, most challenging place for most of us to direct loving kindness. It's useful to point out that what we're, we're doing two things, a couple of things simultaneously. One is that we are accessing this A 
amorphous notion of spiritual. But anytime we can practice any aspect of God's ontology, we are a practicing spiritual program. Now, of course, as a compulsive overeating eater and an eating mind, we uh, immediately want to be perfect at it. And uh, we can have glimpse, glimpses, glimpses of knowing that we are ontologically good and kind and loving. When I did my first fourth step, and the leader, retreat leader asked that we list the things about ourselves that we liked, I couldn't think of one thing. Doesn't mean that I didn't have it. I just never glimpsed it. I didn't know the claims of my harms and wounds and character defects were so strong that it refused to recognize any part of me other than the wounds, the wounded parts. So, so we meditate. The 11th step talks about, um, we use it as a way of making conscious contact with love, with God, but we can shift that word to love anytime. We act with some kindness, with some gentleness, with some grace, with some dignity towards ourselves and towards others. Even if it's a moment in a given day, we just had conscious contact with, with love. So, one of my teachers, um, defines love as, and it's a definition I like, there are many definitions of love. But in this particular um, definition for today, the definition he uses is love is the willingness to pay attention. And that's what meditation is, the willingness to pay attention. It's not a, it's, it, we don't have to get caught up about feelings. It's such a, it can be so diversionary. So, Instead, we, we focus on our natural ability to pay attention. If I asked you to pay attention to my hand, you all did this, you did this right away. You saw how easy it was. It wasn't too complicated. You used your visual skills to pay attention to my hand. Just notice how easy that was. When we meditate, we can use the same principle 
but this time using our mind to invite our mind's attention towards goodness, towards loving kindness, towards joy, towards gratitude, towards forgiveness. It's not that we can't do it. It's that we don't um, it's, it's like learning how to play tennis or going to the gym or learning yoga or learning how to play an instrument or art. It requires showing up again and again and again and again. And it's a practice of repetition. It's true that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. But another way of looking at recovery is that it is rooted in repetition, doing the same thing over and over and over again, showing up at meetings, making an effort to pray and meditate, repeating step three over and over, doing a 10th step over and over. We begin again over and over, every day, one day at a time, over and over. So repetition becomes our friend. The problem is we forget. So we, we practice turning our mind's attention towards goodness. And the reason we do that is we are wired for connection. But because of our life's traumas, because we're addicts, because we're... Um, harmed, we rewire ourselves for protection. And so part of that protection is to deny our deny or to resist doing something as simple as using our mind to pay attention, just like you did with my hand. So we use the mind to pay attention and we pay attention to good to goodness, to loving kindness, to forgiveness, to gratitude. The earlier point I wanted to make about the, uh, mindfulness is that there is a science behind this as well. It's not just the spirituality, but the science supports the practice. And the science is the science of neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity is this notion that our brain structure, which is different than the mind, the brain structure rewires its neural pathways depending on how we direct the mind's attention. So in the old days, and we've heard it many times, people don't change. In the old days, that's what was believed, that you are who you are, you can't change. Well, the, the new science of neuroplasticity comprehensively contradicts that. And we can rewire the connections of the brain, the neural correct connections, so that it does change the mind and the minds that change changes neural connections. So another way to think about it is there is neuroplasticity by design or by default. You cannot not have neuroplasticity. Our neuroplasticity, particularly those in 12-step programs, has been wired for negativity, 
for protection, um, for extraordinary hypersensitivity and uh, reactivity. So even if we pay attention just a little bit to ask the mind to focus on something like kindness or gratitude or forgiveness, we are rewiring the networks. Think about, it doesn't matter whether we believe it or not, the big book, we hear it in meetings all the time, act as if. Acting as if shifts the neural networks by design, whether we believe it or not. It's grooving a whole new way of looking at life, right? So we act our way into right thinking. It's exactly what neuroplasticity is. Bill W. was way ahead of his time. So let's practice. Um, and those, if you're new to today and weren't here yesterday, we'll begin with a few minutes of um, mindful um, practice using breath. Today we'll use breath. And, um, and then we'll, I'll guide you through a loving kindness practice. The breath becomes the anchor, the home base. That's where we return to when the mind drifts. And the mind drifts because we're intelligent, not because we're doing anything wrong. It's affirmation and confirmation of our intelligence. It wants to do important things and it gets bored with just paying attention to breath, for instance. And we pay attention to breath because it's always in the present moment. So when someone says, I don't know how to be present, take a breath. You just had a glimpse practice, what we call, what I call a micro hit of presence. Now we can add many micro hits of breaths to be in the present moment longer and longer and more frequently but it's there right just had a micro hit you took a one ounce weight and lifted right just a breath that's how we know we're in present but the mind is intelligent it wants to do more interesting things into tomorrow into a memory into the past into what ifs whatever it does the content of the mind is unimportant what we're wanting in mindfulness is to notice that we've drifted right it doesn't matter how often we drift when we notice that we've drifted, we give it a label, thinking, wandering, just general label, and then come back. Notice the repetition, right? And notice all we're doing is directing the mind's attention back to the hand, the metaphorical hand, right? Called anchor. That's all we're doing, right? The mind wants to drift, and come back, come back, over and over again. And in two minutes, we may have to do that 20 times, 30 times. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how often we drift. What matters is we notice it and then intentionally, intentionally, by design, bringing it back. That's all we're doing, right? So you can't fail. Don't empty your mind. It's impossible. It's not a goal. The goal is to notice the mind. So the invitation here then is to find a comfortable way to sit. You can, uh, you don't have to be rigid. Of course, you can lie down. There's no posture 
a position that's better or not. You can stand. And just, uh, if you wish, you can close your eyes. You don't have to. If you leave them open, just a soft, gentle gaze. You work equally well. I choose to close my eyes. But you decide for yourself what's more skillful. Just uh, take a couple of deep, slow, gentle inhales and exhales. Just come back to normal breath. It's normal breath. It's always there. And connect with one of three areas. It could be the abdomen, it could be the chest, it could be the nostril. Doesn't matter, they all work equally well. Just pick one. And here you're noticing sensations of breath. You're noticing the coolness of air as it enters the nostril or the warmth or tingling of air as it leaves. But you use chest as an anchor, the expanding, contracting of the chest. If you're using abdomen and noticing how the abdomen rises, expands, falls with each exhale. So all you're doing is bringing the mind's attention to that which you don't actually ever have to pay attention to. And of course, at some point your mind will drift. It's not a problem, you're not doing it wrong. In fact, noticing that you've drifted is mindfulness, is the meditation. And then gently labeling, drifting, wandering, coming back to abdomen, chest, or nostril. Let's do this in silence for a couple of minutes. And as we do this in silence, if you get lost or agitated or overly anxious. If your eyes are closed, you can always open your eyes. This is not about suffering. Or you can ask yourself, where are my feet? And just notice your feet connecting to ground. And when you're ready, you can come back to breath if you wish, or just stay with feet. Let's do this in silence for a minute or two.
wondering, thinking, come back home. Um, I invite you to bring to mind someone who you already love. Now, it's not someone you should love, but someone who you all you're already there when you think of them. That smile, your heart softens. Now, it can be a pet, it can be a person, it can be someone who is no longer on this plane, this human plane, past. It can be a historical figure, it can be a mentor or a guide. Just bring someone who you already love and don't get caught up in the mind's got to pick the perfect person, but I have four children, which one do I pick? Just pick one. This is not a single practice. You can use this practice many, many times, many, many days, many, many ways. Everyone will get their chance. So just for the practice today, pick someone you already love and just notice what that feels like in your own body. Don't work too hard. Just notice you might have a smile, you might have a softness. You might not feel anything at all, and that's perfectly fine. What's important is you directed your attention towards the possibility of noticing. That's more important. And what we can do to cultivate loving kindness is to send this individual or pet or person phrases of loving kindness. The phrases are already rewiring our neural networks. I will share with you the phrases, but know that you can use your own, you can invent your own. And you can also use phrases in your own language. It doesn't have to be in English. But the idea, the intention is towards the ontology of love, loving kindness. So here are some phrases that I invite you to direct at this person or pet. May you be happy. May you be safe and protected and free from harm. May you be healthy, strong, and resilient. May you have peace and ease. Just check into yourself, into your body, see if there anything is happening. Again, you're not forcing, you're just noticing, you're directing attention, perhaps 
for some of you, there is this feeling of a spacious heart, a more generous heart, a smile, maybe a mental state that has shifted, maybe a sense of gratitude, maybe there's vibration, tingling. For others, there may be nothing at all, and that's fine. You're not doing anything wrong. What's important is you're seeding the possibility of noticing that loving kindness might show up in our own bodies, attitudes. We're seeding the practice. We're acting as if it's important. For others, it may be something more interesting, like it's pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. That's good enough. So once again, let's turn towards this person we already love or pet and send them the phrases of loving kindness. We can use our own or you can use mine. As long as the intention is there, may you be safe, protected. May you be happy. May you have peace and ease. May you be healthy and strong. May you always prosper in whatever ways bring you joy. Just check into your body again, see what's there. And don't look for anything, don't judge. There's nothing to judge. They're just directing attention to whatever might be present. And if it's not there, it's not there. And if it is, then let it grow. Let the feeling or sense of whatever it is that comes to you, let it grow. Trust the practice no matter what is there or not. So now gently letting go of this person or pet. So that's the first direction. You can do this anytime. It doesn't have to be like we're doing now, formal practice. We can do it anytime in a meeting, with our family members. So in the second direction, we can send loving kindness to neutral people. Now, this is so actually such a beautiful practice, the neutral. It's to people we don't know very well. We may not know them at all. But we incline the heart, the ontology of the big book, towards sending loving kindness phrases to neutral people. It could be someone in the neighborhood that walks the dog, but we don't know their names. We see them often. It could be someone who is the cash register or operates the register at the local grocery store. It could be 
frontline workers who are doing the work of saving lives. It could be individuals who are planning and have planned this convention. We don't know them, but there is so many people who are giving service who are in this Zoom room now, doing different tasks, different jobs. So here, notice that we're inclining the heart's attention, the mind's attention towards neutral people. Could be people, someone driving on the freeway. Could be a pet, could be an animal, could be a bird, hummingbird, could be nature. And we send them, we direct loving kindness phrases to them as well. Again, in whatever ways feel skillful, you can use my phrases in your own language. We may be standing in line, waiting for the cashier at the checkout line. We can send loving kindness to them. May you be happy. May you be safe. May you be protected. May you be peaceful. May you be free of suffering. And if you want to introduce a little compassion into the experience, we can say, just like me, may you be happy. Just like me, may you be safe and protected and free from harm. So we can direct loving kindness on purpose as a formal meditation or as a glimpse practice or a micro hit. So at any time during the day, we can send neutral people a phrase of loving kindness. Just notice all we're doing is directing the mind's attention and in the process, building new neural networks of love ontology, God's ontology just to be kind, to remember to be kind. And notice we're only doing something we already have. We, we are already kind. We just have to remember to activate, cultivate. And as you send loving kindness phrases to whoever you're moved uh, in the neutral terrain, see what that feels like just to send someone you don't really know kindness. May you be safe, protected. May you be happy, healthy, strong. Just check in to see if anything's happening for you in the body. Don't look too hard. Don't figure it out, just direct attention. That's all you're doing, directing attention of all the places the mind could go. You're just checking in. There's nothing there, there's nothing there. And if there's something, more spaciousness, more empathy, more generosity, more peace in you, then let it grow. Let it become part of your being. 
Kara Brock refers to it as installation. We're installing at the sense at the cellular level level what it's like to experience being kind in the body. Don't look for the hundred pound weight. I should be feeling something. Just direct attention. So now gently leaving behind the neutral. See if you can bring loving kindness to someone who is a little bit challenging for you. Now here, the invitation is to pick on a scale of one to 10, someone who is a two or a three or a four, perhaps someone who irritated you or agitated you. In this practice, we're not trying to lift the 100 pound weight. We're not trying to solve the traumas and dramas of our lives. We're not trying to make, that might come down the road, but for now, for the practice today, just pick someone who just got under your nerves. Maybe someone didn't let you in the lane when you were driving. Maybe someone cut you off. Maybe someone sent an email that irritated you. Something in the last few days that got in your was a little challenging, a little difficult. So just the gentle practice today. And notice that we can do this throughout the day, not just formal. We can be in a meeting, we can be going about our day, people irritate us. We're just human beings, and that happens. And when that happens, it's just the first gesture of the mind. That's how the, that's the mind's first gesture. We've, we have somehow built into our own understanding of ourselves that we are the first gesture of our minds. Of course, we're not. The first gesture of the mind oftentimes is rooted in our wounds and in our judgments and our resentments. So in this practice, we intentionally invite the second gesture of the mind, which is to send loving kindness to people who irritate us. Okay, my first gesture was resentment or a judgment, but I have a second gesture in me and a third. God's ontology is already in me. So let me invite, I pay attention. That's all it is, it's a metaphor of a hand. I pay attention to the possibility of a second gesture. We can send this person or situation, may you be healthy, may you be happy, may you be safe and protected, may you have peace and ease. And if you want it, you can add the phrase, just like me, may you be happy, just like me, may you have peace, just like me. The big book refers to it as pray for someone's health, happiness, and prosperity. That's all we're doing. We're sending loving kindness phrases of health, happiness, and prosperity in real time as we go through the day. Of course, we can use this for more complicated relationships as well. But it's important to practice lifting small weights first.
And we can let go of that just ever so gently. And by the way, you can also check inside your body what's happening as I send loving kindness to people who may be irritating me. And then the final is to direct loving kindness to where it's sometimes most difficult to ourselves. So let's try that. And here I would invite you, if you wish, you can place your hand on your heart in your chest area. If you prefer, you can place it on your abdomen or your shoulder or your face. I prefer on the chest area. And when we place our hands in the chest area, it releases oxytocin, sometimes referred to as the love hormone or the connection hormone. One of the reasons the baby is placed on the mother's chest at birth is just that, the release of that oxytocin between child and mother. So here, as you do that, if you wish, you don't have to. You might also send yourself loving kindness. May I be safe. May I be free from harm. May I have peace and ease. May my goodness grow and grow. May I be held in the arms of a loving universe. May I be free of suffering and pain. May I be free of inner and outer danger. May I know that I'm loved and lovable. We can direct loving kindness to ourselves. Just check in as you do that to what's happening with you in the body. Don't work too hard, just notice. For some, there may be a sense of relief, spaciousness, gentleness. For others, there may be very little sensation or none at all. It's not a problem, not doing it wrong, you're seeding that possibility. And for others, it might be, is it pleasant? Yes, let it grow. Is it neutral? That's fine. Or is it unpleasant or awkward? But it's something we can cultivate this capacity to send loving kindness to ourselves. And we can, of course, do it as a formal practice we're doing now, or any time in the day. So sometimes we might be agitated and we may not be able to evoke and invoke the second and third gestures of the mind towards something or someone that's irritating us. That's all right. What we can do is instead try to send loving kindness to ourselves. It's counterintuitive that when we can't love someone else, we first turn and give oxygen to ourselves. May I be safe. May I be held in the arms of a loving 
power. May I be free of suffering and danger. That invitation over time, as we practice, allows us to bridge towards second gestures of kindness towards others. It's always available. All we did was pay attention. It's already in us. All we did was pay attention. So just to bring this to a close, as we bring this uh, hour together, I invite you just to give yourself some appreciation for practicing. This practice is uh, an, a radical act of self-love, kindness to ourself. It's not a self-improvement project. It's a radical act of kindness to ourselves just to create time to practice that which is already who we are. So send yourself some loving kindness and appreciation. And you might say to yourself right now, for whatever it is I'm feeling right now, may I hold myself with grace. May I hold myself with kindness and dignity. May I hold myself with kindness. Thank you for that practice. Thank you for practicing. Give yourself some kudos for being here. This is available 24-7. Repetition works over and over. And remember micro hits, micro hits, just moments, 15 seconds of sending loving kindness to whoever you move to. And know that the practice is spiritual. It is God in action. It's God's ontology. Have a good day. I'll stay back if anyone wants to connect. Roberta, I see you. It's so good to see you. So good to see so many of you. Yeah. Thank you, Ollie. That was really wonderful. Thank you, Jimmy. It is now time for the next session for those of you who would like to go. Uh, but I think um, Ollie would answer questions because I think we do have a question from Eileen. Eileen, you can unmute. I got it now. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yes. First of all, I want to begin with deep gratitude for the amount of um, peace and love that exudes from Ali. And I have a question. I have a practice, uh, a mindfulness practice. And the other day I was in my practice and I was thinking, I wanted to say, may you feel peace. May you feel protected. May you feel at ease. And I was wondering, do we need to always say with may you be? No, feel is perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's a wish okay and um, 
And uh, the word feel can have challenging um, connotation connotations uh, when there is a lot of bodily trauma mm. because it's not accessible to everybody. And so what we don't want to do is focus on feelings, but rather focusing on sensations because we all have sensations, right? Mm -hmm. We can feel coolness or warmth or tingling or pain or irritation or tightness. So what happens is that we get over uh, activated about finding feelings mm. and that's a skill that grows over time. So mindfulness meditation practice is really a radical accessibility. So, um, so when I teach it, I teach it as may you be, may you have, may you experience, may you be held. But for your own practice, it's, it's lovely because obviously you connect with it. And it's the hope and wish that you have, and uh, it has power. So, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Ali, um, someone asked from Mexico um, if you could um, do a group in Mexico. And I don't know how that would happen. Um, yeah, but anyway, someone would like to know if you could do a group like this, I guess, in Mexico. Oh, there's the hands. As long as, as, long as it's a 12-step meeting uh, program, I'd be happy to, of course, yes. Okay. So and your number is up there. My number is up there. And then someone else asked, uh, what does ontology mean? Ah. God's ontology. God's ontology. Yeah. Yeah, apologies for that academic term. It creeps in on me every once in a while. Uh, God's um, essential quality, God's theory, right? So, so it's a very, it's a liberatory word because um, we get to choose in 12-step programs what God's, frame is for us, right? Or God's um, um, uh, concept is for us. So that's, ontology is, might be thought of in that way, right? I can define my higher power in any way with the in indication that somehow it arcs towards unconditional love, towards compassion, towards mercy, towards grace, towards goodness, towards abundance, right? Principles. Uh, there's a poem by Hafez that I love and uh, that speaks to this ontology. And uh, it, it goes, um, even after all this time, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. Look what happens with a love like that. It lights up the whole sky. So this, this enormous capacity to love without ever asking anything in return. And the love is what, is what animates and makes life meaningful. Right? 
And so that is a way of thinking about ontology. Thank you very much, Ali. Thank you. And then I'm, this is gonna be the last question. Um, and that's from our co-host, Lily. Thank you. Um, I, I feel really strange saying this. Um, so in the beginning, I felt really wonderful and really relaxed. And your voice is, uh, one of the things that helped is your voice. The problem with me was that somewhere in the middle, um, when you were talking about be safe, be happy, be protected, things like that, I started feeling the opposite effect. I started getting really angry and resentful. Um, can you please maybe talk about that? Because that's counterproductive. When you were feeling that, uh, who are you directing it to? Oh. Not, not, not the name, but was it toward the category? Was it towards uh, someone you love, a neutral, someone who... Oh, uh, maybe myself. Oh, I don't know if it was somebody else or myself. Good question. I don't remember. Right, right. And that that can happen. Um, and um, why? Why? I, I I don't have an answer to that. But what I can say is, uh, what did you do when that happened? That's a difficult question because I don't remember. Okay. I was aware. I was. I was aware of it. I. I, I was a little mad that that happened, and mm -hmm. I think hopefully, 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 I went back. I went back to to um, saying, "May you be happy. May you uh, feel protected." Um, try to shift my thinking back. Yeah. Well, then you succeeded. That's the idea. Is that um, is that we we notice that the mind wants to go to places that in, in the program we say the bad neighborhood or uncomfortable neighborhood or a neighborhood that needs to be looked at. So certainly that's something for you to look at and work with. Where does that come from? Why, um, what are its qualities? Um, but sometimes when we practice, we can say, not now, not now. I, uh, let me go back to breath. Let me go back to the phrases. The slogans are also very skillful, right? The slogans are a way of interrupting that sort of um, uh, those, those uh, moments. Uh, easy does it, keep it simple. Other ways to do that is to is to let go and focus on your feet or focus on breath or open your eyes, just break into the automaticity of, uh, of the uh, judging or uh, challenging uh, emotion that may be coming up. And um, so I don't, I don't have an answer. Um, there are many, many practices uh, when those when that when those difficult emotions come up, which is outside the scope of this one hour. Uh, for example, using uh, self compassion in moments like that, using the rain practice that Tara brought uh, has brought into the uh, 
into the meditation practice of um, noticing those emotions in our bodies when they happen. But, um, but for the purposes of this, uh, keeping it simple, going back to breath. And, and I think you did a beautiful job of Thank you. making an effort to return to the phrases or breath. Thank you, thank you, thank no, you. No, no judging, right? No judgment. As hard as that is. Yeah. Thank you all.